Hungry for change in your life? Feed your ambition with Board Bia Talent Academy's Insights and Innovation Program. Get some incredible food for thought with a fully funded master's from DCU Business School. Learn from world-class innovators with placements in Irish food, drink and horticulture companies. And do it all while bringing home the bacon with a generous monthly bursary. Sound like your cup of tea? Nourish your career prospects by visiting boardbia.ie forward slash talent academy. Applications closing soon. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. There's no doubt about it, television is king. The pandemic gave us binge-worthy box sets like Tiger King and sent us all scurrying back to re-watch old favourites like The Sopranos or Dexter. Then came Normal People and now the latest season of Succession and its drip-feeding weekly episodes have us on the edge of our couches. But just why is event television so popular in an age where we've grown used to having every single episode of most new shows at the click of a button? And what do our viewing habits say about us? Event television not only makes us feel as though we're a part of something, it leaves us wanting more. We're living in a ravenous cultural landscape where everyone has watched everything. As a psychologist, I know that these shows allow us a shared collective of escapism while sometimes also allowing us the opportunity to explore the darker sides of our personality. I'm Siobhan Maguire and joining me today on the Indo Daily are a panel of experts including psychologist Leisha McGrath and fellow teleaddicts, Irish independent columnist Chris Wasser and journalist Jennifer Gannon. And just to warn you that some of our clips today do contain bad language. Roman is a knucklehead, Shiv is a fake, and Kenny is screwy. I've seen more than any of them. This life is not for everyone. It's a number on a piece of paper. It's a fight for a knife in the mud. I'm a good guy. I'm better than you. Well, fucking beast them. We'll go full fucking beast. Chris Wasser, arts journalist, television and film critic. What is it about Succession that has us all so obsessed? So we have Brian Cox plays uh, a chap named Logan Roy, who's the patriarchal, um, you know, uh, president and founder of Waystar Royco. And they're this media and entertainment company, very much, as I said, you know, they're a, a Murdoch-esque empire. And he seems to, to run the world, but with, a, you know, uh, an iron conservative fist almost. And there's uh, he has his four kids, Connor, Shiv, Kendall and Roman. And he is he's pushing 90 and uh, all eyes are on who is going to take over this company as soon as he is gone. And in the first season, you know, we had this idea that maybe Brian Cox's uh, Logan Roy might not make it until the end of this first run because he is quite ill. And, you know, everybody, all the kids are kind of, you know, they're, they're, they're just fighting each other to see who will get this company. But over the course then of three seasons, it becomes clear that 
although he's ill and although he's thinking about who steps up next, he doesn't want to relinquish power yet. He really doesn't. And that almost, it's weird, it, it, his, his, his hunger and his desire to stay alive and for power, that almost conquers the illness. Uh, so then it becomes something entirely different that, you know, how, who, who, who is not going to, it's not about who's going to succeed him. It's almost about which one of my kids can I, you know, tear down uh, before, before I go. So that's pretty much the basic setup. Television has been making a very kind of gradual uh, progression towards uh, being king in recent years. You know, whether you're watching The Sopranos, Breaking Bad, whatever it is. But the pandemic really, really showed us just how keen we are to binge watch and, and get stuck in. Yeah, and I think along the way as well, it might have changed our viewing habits too. Uh, with something like Succession, when Succession uh, season two finished in October 2019, it was still, I mean, it was a popular show, but it wasn't the event television. It wasn't the most popular show in the world. You know, it's you're, you're seeing it on the side of buses now and, and you know, everybody uh, everybody is talking about it every week because there's, there's one episode a week and there's a huge, it, it's, it's a water cooler moment at this stage. But back then, it was still... You know, you maybe have one friend who watched this. And I think once the world then shut down and everybody started, you know, going, uh, you know, go- going to streaming services and kind of, you know, catching up on shows that their, their, their mates would have been talking about, there was something about succession and having the time to watch it that caught on. And then when they were finished it, we then had two years. It was two years of anticipation ahead of the next season. Going back to even when the uh, March 2020, um, the first sign that we might, you know, the pandemic might play, you know, impact our, our television viewing habits was when uh, Joe Exotic when Tiger King came along. A meat grinder, if you've ever seen a butcher boy meat grinder, it's about that big around. That became like this wholly exciting thing that I ran him through that grinder and it's like, I couldn't have run his hands through the grinder. And we all were looking for something wild and trippy just to distract us at home. And that I think was the start of just, you know, audiences binging things at the same time because we'd never really done that before. Um, so there's been that where we're all watching something at the same time, even though we could wait or we could, you know, it, it used to be a case of, you know, one one person might watch things, that, you know, a few weeks ahead of another. But there's also been a shift, I think, again, with succession to one episode a week. And I quite like that shift back to, you know, everybody watching one episode and just then just having a week then to digest it. That's, uh, that's actually been really enjoyable. What was Miss Neary talking to you about after class? Oh, I don't know. Uh getting out of class early for training or something. She must find training highly amusing then. Does she fancy or something? We saw that as well with normal people um, in Ireland that, you know, it was it was quite fun to just have an hour of that every Monday and then look forward to it the next Monday, I think. There's something very nostalgic in the idea of event television. And, uh, you know, whether it goes back to to decades ago when, you you know, you didn't have the option to be streaming. So, yeah, I mean, when an episode of of any of your favourite TV shows ends and all you want is to see that next episode, but, you know, you're going to have to wait a whole week. There is that kind of level of anticipation and it builds and it builds and leaves you wanting more. It does. I do. I like the fact that I am on the same page as my family at the minute and my friends with Succession. So uh, and, and it's, it's been it's been interesting, too, because I was sent links for work for a few episodes ahead and I've decided not to watch them because I have done my work on them and I'd be just watching for pleasure now. But at the same time, what pleasure is there in having watched ahead and not? being able to talk to anybody about it for the next two months. So it's quite nice to, you know, on Monday now, I'll watch an hour of succession. 
everybody else watches it. You spend the next week talking about Logan and the lads as though they're real people. And, you know, it's fun to hear, you know, family member and friends kind of saying, I think, you know, this is going to happen to this person. I'm not happy about what this character did. That's fun. And it's so much better than, you know, having a Saturday at home and just binging the hell out of, you know, maybe something like I'm trying to think of shows that are coming back to Netflix, The Witcher or Bridgerton, watching all of that in one go and exhausting yourself. And then when you see people in the real world, oh, I don't know what we can talk about. I can't spoil this. And you can see people go, oh, I don't want to talk about it. Yes, Succession kind of, yeah, that event television brings us together. And it's even, you know, we saw even with the likes of uh, Vigil on BBC, uh, World Productions uh, have made over the last few years Line of Duty, uh, Vigil, Bodyguard. There is something about that 9 p.m. slot on BBC on a Sunday night that just brings people together. And it's, I think it's terrific to see people discuss storylines on Twitter the next day at work. They'll talk about the characters again as though they're real. I like that. I actually prefer that communal watching. I mean, as communal as you're ever going to get with people watching television all over the country. I think I, there's something about that that brings audiences together that I think is quite special. Alicia McGrath, psychologist, when we watch shows like Squid Game or Succession, what does that say about us? Why, why are we drawn to certain shows and not others? Well, it's a really interesting question because I think you're you're absolutely right. Some of us are really drawn to some of the darker elements of shows like Succession or Squid Game. And of course, there are others, whereas some people cannot identify at all with those characters um, and, and prefer something that's a little lighter. But I think when we're when we're looking at a show that's as successful as uh, as these two, really, what I think is happening, um, there's a few things. One, where where we tend to be getting into shows, and they and they're they're like a reward at the end of a busy day. The kids are in bed, or you know, we've done all the things that we need to do, and we're settling down with flatmates or a partner, and we're settling in to a show that allows us this escapism. With the darker type of shows, I think that they're really channeling and getting into these darker archetypal energies that are that are you know as Jung would have said they're they're not learned they're instinctive in all of us when when you think of how we uh raise our kids and how we were parented ourselves as children we weren't really permitted to go deeper or explore the darker side of our personality which we all have we can't have light without the dark when you do something, you know, such as raid the biscuit tin as a child or whatever it is that, you know, that your dark side leads you to do, you tend to have a lot of shame with that. Whereas when you're watching these kind of shows, there's a safety, um, there's a public acceptance for watching them. So you can actually tap into the darker sides of others' personalities and maybe your own. And that's a really healthy thing to do, I would say, so long as it's, it's, it doesn't go overboard. The priest spent the night here. What happened? Nothing. Where was Anthony? He was uh, sleeping over at Jason's. The priest spent the night here. Nothing happened. And you're telling me this because? You might hear something. Take it the wrong way. His car was out front all night. You know what? This is too fucked up for me even to think about. What'd you guys do for 12 hours? Play, uh, name that Pope? He gave me communion. Oh, I'll bet he gave you communion. Excuse me? Well, Carmela, the guy spends the night here with you, and all he does is slip you a wafer? That's verging on sacrilege. Oh, I didn't mean to verge.
I mean, that's the thing, isn't it, um, Leisha? Characters in these shows offer us all some level of escapism, I guess, you know, whether that's Tony Soprano or Logan Roy. There's also that element of um, that FOMO feel. If everyone's watching something, uh, you know, I want to get in on that too. Oh, completely. And I mean, listen, nothing was more true than over lockdown when we were all watching Tiger King and normal people. (laughs) You know, I mean, that was so, so the case. And I think really socially what happens there is we're all getting together. We may be in the comfort of our own living room, but we're actually all getting together to enjoy a shared experience. And that's really healthy. There's a, there's a lot of belonging um, involved in that. And, and, and socially our brains and our our systems are wired for belonging and for connectivity. So the very act of getting together is is a very healthy thing. And and yeah, the FOMO, you want to be able to contribute on Twitter or contribute, you know, in the office uh, banter or your family WhatsApp group or whatever, and be able to dissect and see what the story means to you. Um, So yeah, there's a huge amount of that uh, social, what we would call in-group. Um, from the social psychology, we have kind of in-group and out-group. And, and we want, we're, we're instinctively drawn to, to doing things that will, will make sure that we're part of a collective, part of a tribe. And these shows, you know, they're, the timing of them um, and the themes in them, they're not by accident, I don't think. You know, there, there's a reason why we're drawn to specific ones uh, and that's a piece of, of psychology in itself. And then, as you say, the very act of, of, of the collective sharing of it, that's another aspect of the psychology that, 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 that really draws us in. And what is going on in our, in our heads, um, you know, when we, we get on board one of these shows, Leisha, and in particular, when, you know, we're quite happy, we, m- we might not be quite happy to sit and wait for the next episode the following week. But this this is the kind of television watching we're, we're getting into now. Yeah. And I mean, if we remember, you know, when we were all watching Friends and we were all on the edge of our seat, you know, remembering, um, you know, back to those days and, and other shows, you know, what was going to happen next. That's all of that shared collective. It's like looking forward to, you know, a collective event, a collective celebration. We're all involved in that. There's something different, I think, that's happening in our heads when we're when we're binge watching and when we have the on demand thing. And, you know, we're we're pre-wired to not overextend ourselves as human beings. We're pre-wired to to conserve our energy and and shows and 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 shopping sites they know this. So the fewer clicks you have to do to um to continue you know to to purchase something or to continue to watch something, you're more likely to stay on the couch watching. And that really allows us to to keep going with these shows with this binge watching to keep going. Oh look, you know I'll snooze the alarm in the morning. Let's do another one. We're near there um, and it becomes nearly a badge of honor um, when you've watched and you can say you've seen all six episodes, all six seasons or all 10 seasons or whatever it is of whatever show you're watching when we have to wait week by week the anticipation builds um, and 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 it nearly gets to a kind of a frenzied climax when we all get to watch the same thing and we watch it unfold together on our screens albeit as I say from our own front room or our own bedrooms but we're watching it as a shared collective and that's very enticing very engaging 
Jennifer Gannon, journalist, you make a very valid point about the rapid way we consume television now and are not feeling hugely pleasurable. Now, I have to confess, I binge watched Bridgerton in mm. one day. Yeah. Do I remember any of it? No. Hi, <laughs> sell lemonade, huh? Good for you. Good for you, you're entrepreneurs. Hey, mister, did you steal those pants? No, 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 I, I didn't steal them. An alarm went off in the store and I had to leave the store. I mean, don't they want your pants back? I have to bring them back and I'm going to, but I didn't steal them. Anyway, I'll have some lemonade. How much is it? A buck. A buck? Fine. Thank you very much. There you go. Are you kidding me? Oh my God, this is awful. I'm not even joking. Who made that? Us. But at the same time, Curb Your Enthusiasm, for example, came back for a new season um, this week. And I, you know, I made time to watch it on Monday. Mm. Really, really enjoyed it. And for me, that was a pleasurable experience. So I know what you're, you're saying. Yeah, I think with a lot of TV, there's a lot of pressure on us. It sounds so funny, pressure to watch TV. But as viewers to watch the latest thing. It's like, have you not watched Squid Game? Have you not watched The Queen's Gambit? And you feel like you're out of the loop. And then if somebody, if your friend or your partner is watching something and they're like, I'm already in the middle of this, you have to catch up. And then you can't have a conversation with someone because they're like, I'm on episode five. So you feel this enormous pressure to just binge everything straight away. And you're gorging yourself almost on these shows. And are we taking them in? And a lot shows have gotten a lot more complex as well. Storylines have as well. So you're wondering, am I getting the subtext? Am I getting the metaphors? Or am I just going for the straight story, the, the surface story, just to gobble it up and feel finished it so I can go I've completed that so shows these massive shows are becoming almost like computer games like video games you want to get to the next level you want to complete it and move on and that's not the way I don't think TV should be viewed I think it's sad that it's come to this and I think what you're saying about Caribbean enthusiasm is right You, you eked out a time and you made it your own little event in a way. You were like, oh, it's the new series. I know it starts at nine o'clock. And there's something very pleasurable about linear TV where you're like, this is only once a week. Television really is having a moment, isn't it? Mm, Yeah, I think, you know, because of lockdown as well, I think we were all dependent, so dependent on TV. um, And for a lot of people as well, cinema is, uh, cinema is a beautiful art form, but it can be expensive. If you have a family, that's a big night out for you. It could be, you know, anywhere up to 50, over 50 euro to to go to the cinema and, and have all that. So yes, TV is like, became our friend during lockdown, especially. I think we just turned to it to escape our troubles to escape what we were going through uh, during the pandemic. The nostalgia factor mm. creeps up time and time again because, you know, you want to go back to The Sopranos. You want to totally. get delve into Dexter or whatever yeah. you're into. And like Friends, I think Friends is like the eternal example of people will watch Friends on a loop. Friends will always be there. They'll be there for you in the background forevermore. <laughs> and I think no matter how many times you've seen an episode, there's something about the writing and the broad scope of it that you can turn on TV and it's on in the background and you feel comforted almost by it because you, you know the pattern of the conversations, you know where the punchline is going to come in, you know these characters backwards. You don't have to get into something. It, it, it doesn't feel, it feels just very normal and natural to you. And I think a lot of people turned to those kind of shows in lockdown as well because they felt so comforted by them and they wanted that little bit of escapism 
journalism rather than a lot of TV these days can be harsh and dark and I think with your old favourites something like I Love Gilmore Girls I will always turn to Gilmore Girls if I'm even have been put out a tiny bit in my day I'll be like running straight to Stars Hollow so I get that as well for people yeah completely It's called the carousel Let's just travel the way a child travels, round and around, back home again, to a place where we know we are loved. And it's also that element, uh, because it stretches right across social media. If, mm. if a programme is super popular, like normal people, like Succession now, um, and there's, there's another way to kind of interact with people. You're part of this global audience, really. Completely. Like with Succession, like I, because of my job and I do review TV, I was an early adopter of Succession back in 2018. And I have seen that audience just grow and grow and it's been so funny and it's great to me now that I can jump on Twitter and just say something stupid about Roman Roy, how much I'm in love with Roman Roy or whatever and there'll be somebody there who actually backs me up and agrees with me and you have this little community where you can talk at length ad nauseum and detailed conversations about these characters because they're so well drawn and they're so in-depth um, that it becomes an event in itself always to talk about something as big as these shows. But as you said, it could be something like even The Sopranos that has been over for a long time now. There was, um, I think it was The New York Times, there was an article about how young people during lockdown discovered The Sopranos and it had this massive resurgence on social media. So with TV, it, it, you know, like film, it lasts forever. It, it will it will always come back. It will come back in vogue. There was another great article during lockdown in Vulture about how Mad Men kind of actually reflects a lot of our paranoia and frustrations going through the pandemic. I wrote an article about how Mad Men, re-watching Mad Men during the pandemic actually helped me to understand the more fraught side of life because if you look at Mad Men, they're going through, you know, civil, like there was civil rights movement, there was Vietnam, there's, it touches on a lot of massive world events, but in such a way where they're just still going to work every day, just like we were in the pandemic. So I felt I got something new from it. So I think... These massive prestige shows, you can always go back to them and they'll reveal something new to you. And I think that's what's really rewarding. And that's what you see people talk about on social media and get really involved in. And that was Jennifer Gannon, journalist. And my thanks also to Irish independent columnist Chris Wasser and Leisha McGrath, psychologist. Well, today's episode of the Indo Daily was presented and produced by myself, Siobhan McGuire, researched by Tabitha Monaghan with sound design by John Smith. Archive clips courtesy of independent.ie, RTE, the BBC, HBO and Netflix. You can listen to the Indo Daily wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>